You're listening to Raceru Radio, where fitness and racing are combined. Each week, you'll hear us bring you a fitness tip to help you with your fitness journey, as well as covering the latest current event news, covering NASCAR, Formula One, and sprint cars. We always have lots to talk about, so buckle up and take another lap with us. Thanks for listening, and you can always find us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, you can find our multiple updates every week at Raceru Racing, and you can find our fitness updates at Raceru Fitness. Enjoy the podcast with Ryan and Jordan. Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Racer Roo Fitness coming again. We've got to break down Daytona. It was an uneventful, uneventful Daytona 500. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Jordan's got icebreaker news and some other stuff. <clears throat> and we're going to start, as always, with the fit tip. But first of all, Jordan, how's your week going? Um, well, it's going good. Sorry about the birds in the background. They just don't stop. Um, <laughs> but uh, yesterday we had some uh, crazy stuff going up, uh, going on up here in PA. Uh, we had an active shooter in the area, so uh, oh. some tenth moments, um, but no one was hurt. And from what I'm understanding, they uh, ended up catching the guy later. So uh, it was a pretty tense day yesterday, but uh, other than that, the rest of the week's going pretty good. Hit the gym, I think, four times so far this week. Got a fifth time coming tomorrow. Um, I don't know if I can walk right now, so that's why I'm sitting down. <laughs> um, <laughs> you ever did it? Yeah. Um, well, I don't even know. I don't even know if I could sit up because the the sit up, uh, the incline sit up you had me doing. Woo! Uh, <laughs> man, I thought I was doing okay with that. No, those are rough. Those are rough. Did you make all twelve? I think I put twelve in there, right? I, yeah, you put twelve on there for two sets. I did the first one, and the second one I got through to like seven or eight, and I had to stop. And then, like, I had to take like increments. And when I got to 10, I went to go for 11, and I literally couldn't pull uh, myself up anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I popped my legs out and just slid down the thing backwards. <laughs> I've done that before where I'd be halfway up and get a cramp, and then you can't, yeah. like, go up or down either way. And then you yeah. kind of, like, ease your way down, but you, like, even, like, trying to move your legs out, you cramp up so bad. And so then you just, like, kind of slide your legs out and slide down the thing, and then you can't <laughs> even get up without getting a cramp. It's really bad. So yeah. yeah, that so uh, uh, so y'all know I got Jordan on the the four two two plan that we talked about uh, earlier this month in what's Ryan doing, and I mean I I'd say it's a game changer, is it not? It's it's completely new oh. for most people. It really really changes the training that you do. Hundred percent, and for some reason when I originally had the tempo, and I was like hmm four two two, I was like. I wonder, for some reason in my head, it wasn't registering the, the count. So I was like, oh, I guess he means every fourth rep is one. So literally, every <laughs> time, the first day I was doing it, every rep I counted, it'd be like, one, two, three, four, one. One, two, three, four. I was like, holy Oh, no. Goodness. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> you, know how many, of- you know how many step-ups I yeah. did? <laughs> Talk about a high volume training. Now, now you know why my legs are, are pretty much yeah. numb. Yeah. Well, so that wasn't my programming's fault. That was, well, I mean, not communicating what everything meant, I guess. But uh, yeah. So, hey, 
just uh, real quick, how'd you like the cards that we put them on? Uh, 100% better than your chicken scratch. Um, but I like <laughs> the organization of it. And, like, I mean, down to the T, the like, has your name, everything on it, and then work out this, 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 all listed with warm-ups, then with the workout, then with underneath it, little side things to do, like, you know, cardio, this and that. It, I think that card is awesome, 100%. Probably, I mean, I don't know, really people just list them, but I think this card, like, emphasizes, like, the visual eye for workouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you like that. Um, we've had, uh, in our house, we've had a bit of a sickling thing going on, so that's about the most entertaining thing we've had this week. Um, Kaylee was pretty much sick from last Wednesday through this Wednesday, and as soon as she got to go back to school um, Thursday, I had to take her to the doctor again just to get her throat looked at. And then Zachy came down with a fever, and he's been feeling cruddy all all since. So it's been interesting in the painter household. Um, not a lot of sleep at night. <laughs> having a, I'm having personal issues with sleep, and then I'm having a children issues with sleep as well. So it's been a, it's been a fun week, but um, I don't want to get into that too much. So we're just going to get right into the fit tip of the week. So this is kind of an extension from last week where we were talking about, um, where, what were we talking about last week? I'm drawing um, a blank now. <laughs> oh, we were talking about how, how people are unhealthy basically and everything. That's what we were talking about. <laughs> what is that? I just said, I draw a blue, drew a blank. I know where I'm going with this, but I forgot where we, I came from. The, we were talking about the obesity rate and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, and, yeah. basically, if, if things change, if, if things change, um, would your behavior change to, to match it, or would you continue going down the same path that you are of being fairly unhealthy? Um, and while I was thinking about that last week, I did want to kind of, I, I kind of came to a conclusion already like in at least in America I don't know how it is in other countries but at least here I don't really feel like we know what health is like from a general consensus point we we have a very misinterpreted view of of health and so I'll kind of tell you from my personal experience and, and you can really really expand on this from that um you know I was talking to some people about doing my Ironman and everything and so just keep in mind, it is a half Ironman is 70.2 miles, something like that, 70.3, something like that. That's a long, long way. Okay. It's a lot of training to get there. But people were telling me, oh, you're healthy. Like you'll have, you won't have any problem with that. And I kind of like started like, that has nothing to do with it. Like health has nothing to do with it at that point. Now, generally speaking, you would imagine that people who are able to do feats like that, like a half marathon, like a full marathon, you would imagine that they are healthier. But I, I do challenge that a little bit. Yes, there there is a step up from doing a 5K on a normal whatever Saturday than doing, you know, a beast Spartan, a half Ironman, a full marathon, a half marathon even. There is a step up in the level of fitness, which can kind of correspond with health a little bit. But what people are tending to leave out, like you, you see people who do this and you, they look, a lot of them kind of have a look for each of those different disciplines and you think that that's healthy. But what you may not know is that that half Ironman athlete 
or full Ironman athlete. Like, oh yeah, they look kind of lean and skinny or whatever, but they have such an unhealthy relationship with exercise and cardio and it dominates their life. They have a, a decent relationship maybe with food, but because they've got to keep themselves at a certain weight or they're trying to avoid certain things because of their training, their relationship with food isn't as good as it could be. Their relationship with sleep isn't as good as it could be. Their relationship with other people isn't as good as it could be because you're so enveloped into this one discipline. And you see that a lot with, with a lot of athletes. You know, they're you know, football players. People will think, oh, they're super healthy. I challenge you to look at a lineman who's as healthy as he could be. They're big boys, and there's a reason why there's things like the, these athletes end up getting heart problems when they're older because they have to keep themselves so heavy, why they have joint problems, why they have you know, just muscular problems in general just from carrying around all this weight. Um, and you can go through every single one of the positions with that pretty much and say, hey, this is why this position is unhealthy. And, and like I said, football is kind of one of this really glaring, but th that could apply to any sport. <clears throat> when it comes to it, when we think of health, we like it's real easy to just think of health as somebody who eats healthy, works out a little bit. But we tend to forget all the other layers of health. Mental health is obviously, it's almost always thrown out the door. That one is left completely out. But it's, you know, yes, it's your diet. It's your activity levels. It's your sexual health. It's your relationship with food. It's your relationship with the people around you. And all those things kind of encompass. And when you kind of put all your eggs in one basket like this, like, like we're talking about with somebody who's super, 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 into athletics or super 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 into eating a particular way you almost have to kind of look at it as like a slider like when you're creating a character in a video game like you only have so many points to balance and so when you put one into like you just drag it all the way over here the other ones have to suffer and so i think that that's a very big thing to mention and to remind people just because somebody might be excelling in the things that we perceive as going with health does not necessarily make them healthy. Um, just, just because somebody is not putting effort into those things, into their diet, into their exercise, does not necessarily make them unhealthy. Now, things can lead to, to make them in those ways. Um, and I, I'll give you one really, really good example I like to, to share. We'll, we'll kind of turn this on to CrossFit. CrossFit, the high-level CrossFit girls, um, listening to some of their them talk about their experiences with going to the CrossFit Games, they train so hard. And like I, we already kind of said about how they lose that aspect of their relationship with food because they have to eat a certain way. They lose relationships with their family and everything because they have to be so enveloped. Not only that, but they screw up their hormones from training so hard and eating such a particular way that they lose their periods for a month, two months, three months while they're in training for these games. And I don't imagine, I just know it from CrossFit, but that's going to apply to other avenues as well. So to me, what, what I'm trying to say with all of these examples is we don't really know what health is. 
because we look at somebody who's kind of fairly lean and goes to the gym and jumps on an elliptical as super healthy. Well, they're not because mentally they, they have this block that they need to do these certain things to be healthy, which creates them to not be healthy. We look at athletes and think they're super healthy, but we don't look at the full scope of everything. Then we look at somebody who sits on the couch, is fairly sedentary, and doesn't eat very good, and we call them unhealthy. But they don't have anything, you know, d- definitively wrong with them. They're just, they don't have the behaviors we associate with health. So I think that that's the thing that, at least in America, knowing the people I associate with in, in this country, we don't know what health is because we think of it a particular way, but we don't include all the ingredients to throw it in. And so going back to last week, we were talking about, would you change your behaviors? And I'm saying probably not. Well, we, we don't even really know all the behaviors that go into making someone healthy. So why would we change? You know, that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't there. think anybody does. Like, I mean, even, even though you might be saying, you know, here in the United States, I, I don't think anybody does in, in the reality of it, um, because, like, I can just tell you from simple things that, like, you could see someone who's a, a cross-country runner or, you know, that runs track and field, but they smoke, and you're like, that doesn't make sense, and yeah. they smoke, like, packs a day, but yet they can run so far and so fast, and you're like, ain't no way. And then, you know, you got these guys who are like big muscular guys you see in the gym that you're like, oh, they're definitely healthy. But then, you know, they have injuries and issues with their body. Like they might have heart issues. They might have, you know, brain issues, something like that. And it's like, or, or, just, really, or, or just body dysmorphia. Right. And you're talking right. about somebody who feels like they need to go to the gym to do like, that's a very unhealthy relationship with right. your exercise so so yeah it's you know all these examples are, are definitely right. correct i mean like do do we really know what we're supposed to eat on a regular basis there's so many different forms of diets and nutritions and mm-hmm. you know there's so many different forms that like yeah this might help you lose weight but sometimes you need to put on weight but sometimes you need to maintain weight you know, there's so many different versions, like you have keto weight watchers, you know, the, the carnivore diet, which I've been looking into a lot recently, and they all have their benefits, but no one can get it exactly perfect. It'll work for certain people and not for the other, mm-hmm. but you're never going to get exactly perfect. I mean, again, going back to maybe the smoking thing, someone could chain smoke their whole life, never had to have any issues where you could do everything to be 100% well, quote unquote healthy and you're having heart attacks in your mid forties and it just doesn't make sense. Yep. I mean, there's kids that play basketball, you know, teens, young 20, we've seen it with DeMar Hamlin, regardless of whatever that was, he had cardiac arrest on the field. Why? There could be scientific reasons as to why it happened and it hasn't come out yet. It might never come out, but a guy who we see as a professional athlete who can do anything, essentially. Obviously, we don't know about the off-field stuff, but he can do anything. On national TV, goes into cardiac arrest. And that's just something you wouldn't suspect from a twenty mid-20s-year-old uh, player who runs all, every day, is in the weight room, 
probably eating healthy, probably has people that makes his food or has certain diets that he follows. And you're just like, wait a minute, logic doesn't say that's right. And we're seeing it more and more. There's more and more things happening with younger athletes that are having issues with heart problems or issues with something else. And these kids aren't just, you know, going to McDonald's and eating cheeseburgers all the time. I mean, like you could, there's so many TV shows now where it's like, you know, um, like I'm overweight this month and you see yeah. what they like, they just constantly are eating fast food on a regular basis. Like you said, sitting on the sofa, not doing anything. And you're like, one day their heart's going to explode. But for some reason they live to be 120 and we're like, logic doesn't make sense. So I don't think anybody really knows what to do. You can try and help your system, your body to understand it, but I don't think it ever works the way you really probably want it to. So it it just changes with whoever, like you were saying, I don't think we could ever come out and say, this is how you're healthy. Yeah. Because it, it just well, doesn't necessarily work. I think we understand what, what healthy-ish habits are. I think there is there's very nuanced things to those. Like we know that we should be more active. We know we should eat a little bit better. But in, in all those things that we consider healthy um, activities um, or you know healthier diets, whatever you want to say it, it doesn't necessarily lead to health and you can take it way the wrong way, the other way, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can go so extreme with these things like, Hey, you, you get up and you work out for two hours every day. Okay. That's great. You would think that that's healthy, except no, because it's taking away from the other bits of health in your life. <laughs> and it's actually probably too much for your body. You, like, you can do too much. You know, yeah. and so I think, I think the, again, the, the one that really spurred this for me is when someone was saying, oh, you can do a half Ironman, you will, you'll be able to do it with no problem. You're super healthy. That's not health. That is a, you know, doing a half Ironman will be a great accomplishment, but it is not an indicator of health. It's an indicator of, fit. that's what the, I think maybe that's the biggest part of fitness and health are two different like they they kind of like shake hands but they're not exclusive to one another and right. so you know i think that that's the big thing to take away from it and at least in in that regard you know right. like i said people who can do an iron doing an iron man is not good for your body <laughs> you know it's mm-hmm. fitness wise it's a great accomplishment it's not great for your body so no. and so that's that's kind of what i'm getting at with all these you know in order for us to get better health, we need to have a better understanding of what that actually means. And right. I think the basic premise that I always come back to with just about everything is you need a balance, like the old yin and yang kind of thing. Yes. And talk about the sliders. If you put one thing all the way in, something else has to suffer. If something else is suffering, you tend to be unbalanced. It doesn't mean you have to be you know, perfectly stacked up, you don't necessarily need to have the poker chips all lined up, but it can be a stack of stones that are kind of similar and a little wobbly. But at the end of the day, you still want the balance of it because when you pull right. one out way too far, you can have the whole thing crumble. Right. And so that's kind of 
point when, that I, I'm trying to make that. Yeah, when you, well, I mean, when you really, I mean, when you break it down, like if you're talking about the little bars, when you create your own player Madden, we all do the glitch where we put all of our bars up. It's unrealistic. I mean, it's unrealistic. It, it, it doesn't matter who you are. It's unrealistic. You're never going to have 100% of one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And 100% of everything. It's just, it's unrealistic. I mean, what they don't have in there is, uh, I mean, you can get how much money you make, but what they don't have in there is family time, mental health, yeah. stuff you do outside of that. So <laughs> there's a lot and more it, categories to it. Yeah, it's impractical. You can't have a perfect diet. And then every single time, you know, having a perfect diet and then going out one night with some friends and being like, oh, I know I, I can't drink. I can't eat this particular thing because I have to maintain this perfect diet or whatever. That's where right. things like that can suffer. So, you know, it, it, having the sliders all the way out just is unrealistic. But, you know, I think that the balance thing is a good way to start and uh, not to be judgmental and in, in thinking that habits are necessarily a definitive calling card of what health is. And so, you know, that's a, that's kind of what I got to say about that basically. And so um, any final thoughts on that before we move on? No, I mean, I, I think we hit every avenue of it pretty much. Okay. The basis of what you said where fitness and health are two different categories, pretty much. Yeah. Nail on the head. Um, I did want to point out, I don't think we talked about it last week, but uh, the CrossFit Open is going on. This is week two. I did it last week. I, I didn't sign up for it, mostly because I kind of was like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Just kind of got past the deadline. Um, my video of it wasn't going to be official anyway. Not that they would check. It doesn't really matter. But um, this is week two. I did, I don't know, it was about a 70% on week one while I was went in on a Saturday morning where I couldn't breathe because I had caught whatever Kaylee had. So I'm pretty happy with that result. I kind of knew that I was going to struggle with doing muscle-ups because I haven't done them in a while, but um, this week is week two and it's kind of, it's something like five bar uh, pull-up burpees, I think. And then paired with something else. And that's part one, as many as you can get in a certain amount of time. And then you go right into part two, which is you have five minutes to find the heaviest one rep thruster you can get. I'll probably do that this afternoon. Um, but the, the main point about the CrossFit Games, CrossFit Games, I know some people are like, why wouldn't I just do the workout and not pay my $20? Well, why would you support a charity and not give them any money or your time? That's, it's, kind of, it's just about supporting the, the thing. You know what I mean? Right. You know, give me your $20. It's kind of cool. It, when I've done it in the past, I didn't sign up this year just because I kind of dropped the ball. But when I've done it in the past, it's like, you'll see your name on the leaderboard, which means absolutely nothing for 99% of us because you're not going to compete to qualify for the game. But it is kind of cool to see, hey, I am right in line with this dude from Germany. Mm -hmm. And right, I'm like, I'm right ahead of this dude from Germany. I'm right behind this guy from Spain. There's a guy over here from this country I've never heard before. That's kind of really cool. And right. it's $20. It's not like $20 isn't a huge expense for most people. If you can't afford it, I get it. But it's just kind of about supporting 
is su supporting the thing, supporting CrossFit and what they do. And I know yeah. a lot of people kind of like, why would I do that? Why would I do that? Because it's part of the community. It's part of the, you know, the support of the thing that we all really love to do. So I'd encourage people, I might even still go ahead and sign up just to give them my 20 bucks, just keep it going. But um, I think it's a cool little thing. It's a cool test to kind of see where you're at. Because some you might think, man, I'm really good at this. And then in the middle of the workout, you're like, I'm not good at this. Or you might surprise that, yourself. That would be me. <laughs> Last week, I uh, on the row, especially because I whatever I had in my chest, I was struggling. And I did really good on the row. I kind of got off of the row going like, man, I still got it. So um, I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, you don't necessarily have to do the workout, but, you know, if you're kind of interested to see where you're at, do some versions of the workout, even if it's not in the week of it. Just, hey, let's see what, what I can do in this. Let's see what I can do in the scale version. So um, go out, give it a shot. And I, like I said, you might surprise yourself or you might find a weakness that you want to work on. So right. But, uh, well, while we're uh, still on fitness, my new favorite workout is the TRX. So just in case anybody was wondering, I know we talked about this a long time ago, but the, yeah, right there. Yep. That thing right there. The <laughs> yep. Yes. That is my new favorite one. I haven't been able to get off of it all week. I keep, uh, obviously I keep doing the, um, I, I got to give my biceps a break. Cause I keep doing the, the TRX curls. Um, but it's like my favorite now. So I've been trying to like today, I was like, oh, I'll go over and do a couple sets on there real quick before I leave. So I did that. And again, my arms feel like blimps now, but <laughs> like, uh, I was like, you know what? The TRX is definitely worth it. Now, the only thing I'm like, when I got home, I was like, where could I put it? So that way I could use it at home. And I, I just can't figure that out. So like, I, was, I know, I know, I know. Where's that? You can hang. well, number one, you could hang it up from the door in the room that used to be your room and just mm -hmm. work out in the hallway if right. you have the wall if you have the door attachment um right but you can also if you know it's starting to get a little bit nicer outside you could hang it from the uh the carport thing outside yeah just get like an extension if you need one and just you know hang it up from up there bring it down and work out while you're taking bales outside yeah that was just, i just wanted to let you know that because that's what uh they have TRX um they have TRXs at the gym on that on mm -hmm. like it's like a circuit workout thing. Sometimes it's closed off because they have people do classes back there, but I've been able to get back there and yeah, it's kind of been my new favorite thing. So <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna shift gears. It's time for some racing because we're back in full swing just about. So it is time for Dirty Talk with Jordan. And now it's time for Dirty Talk with Jordan, the part of the show where Jordan comes out and talks a little dirty. So without further ado, Dirty Talk with Jordan. I left a blank, so that wasn't I was, like, that I, was like, I was thinking about that. I was like, God, I hope he gives it a little pause. <laughs> um, so guys, uh, the kickoff Dirty Talk, I'm going to bounce off to last weekend. I know you guys heard me mention it. The 360s were running down at East Bay Raceway. And, well, I got to say, this is probably one of the worst tracks I've ever seen. Um, I talked about the night before where it rained and 
They did everything they could to get the show in. Aaron Reitzel ended up winning. But when you have a late show like that and then you turn around and have a normal time show the next day, getting moisture in the track is very, very hard to get it and hold it. And this track was pretty rough. But when I say that, this is maybe going to sound not too surprising, but the first person that blew a tire won. And the reason why that happened was because so Sam Haberty Jr. picks up the win, king of the 360s. This is back-to-back years he wins. He was the first person to blow a tire. Um, blew the right rear, came into the pits, put a brand-new right rear on, and he just barely made the whole feature. I mean, the thing was bald. Cords were showing by the time he was done. So that's two right rears and a feature. Um, that's how bad the track was. He stormed up through the field because he had a brand new tire on. It's kind of like NASCAR. When you go to Darlington, you put new tires on, you're screaming fast. Well, you screaming fast until they don't last. And pretty much he made it up through the field. Other people were blowing tires. They were making late charges, but he just did it at the right time. He was able to get the lead and hold them off and win. So um it kind of sucks when we see a track like that because then you're not really getting the racing. It's more just whoever can make their tire last longer, which is good. But on that type of track, you're not making your tire go the whole feature, especially when he went through two of them in a feature. So that just shows you how rough that track was, but we'll bounce up to central Pennsylvania where icebreaker 30 kicked off on Thursday. What? Thursday. So normally icebreaker is on a Saturday. This year was the first year they were going to have it two days. It was going to be Saturday, Sunday, kick that to the side. We're going to bump it up to a Thursday because we had 70 degree thir- weather on Thursday. Can you believe that? It's 29 today. Like we we're, were getting snow up here today, but Thursday was 70 degrees. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Thursday we got out to the track. Lincoln was packed with people. Again, that's why I don't understand the whole 11 races with flow. They added a 12th, which was this Thursday race. But, I mean, the whole track was packed with people. You could barely – I mean, they ran hot laps, and they said, okay, we have to take a break because we're still trying to get people into the track. The infield was packed. The grandstands were packed. It was awesome to see everybody up here in PA. That's how you know it's racing season. We all want to get out to the track, you know, if we can. Thursdays, you know, Friday you still have usually to work. But um, so they ran the icebreaker 30 and well, Freddie Raymond goes back to back years of icebreaker 30s. He picked up the win. Um, It was a good race. Honestly, Uh, it was pretty much one caution flag. Other than that, it was all straight through, which is what you want to see. A lot of lap traffic, a lot of cars coming and going. There was a lot of fast cars in the back of the pack coming up through making passes. Some of the ones that started in the front, the ones that you thought they're going to run away with it, they didn't. Um, Brent Marks missed the setup, blew me away. He started fourth. I was like, oh, this is going to be the Raymer and Mark show. I was wrong. Raymer took off on the front row. Nope. I mean, that didn't surprise anybody. Anthony Macri had to come through the, the field. He was making a lot of passes. Matt Campbell was making a lot of passes. And the daredevil Devin Borden, he was making a lot of passes. I mean, there was a lot of people coming from the back, which is awesome to see on an icebreaker, but that's like a mid mid summer show. When we get the seventies, 
and you get these guys that have multiple lanes, bottom, top, middle. They can go anywhere and put their cars anywhere, and it, it was just an awesome race. A lot of people said it was a snooze fest because there wasn't really battles for the lead, but that's why you have to be at the track to be able to see the battles that are going on through mid-pack. You don't always want to watch what's going on with the leaders. But like I said, Freddie Raymer picks up the win. Um, it's back-to-back years with Icebreaker 30s. And last year, he won the track championship. He's going for, I think, four in a row this year. Um, so we'll see if he can do that. Um, I, I'm a little biased, so I'm going to say hopefully not. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, the way it's looking, we're not really sure. I mean, there's not a lot of people, from what I'm understanding, running points for Lincoln. Um, there's going to be a lot of jumping around kind of like the true outlaw schedule, but it's not really a true outlaw schedule. It's just, I would say it's more like a true central PA schedule. Um, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, other than that, the racing for today canceled, obviously, like I said, 29 degrees, Yeah, supposed to get snow. It's great, but bad on a motor. And what I mean by that is motors love the cold air. They stay cooler. They run with a very high amount of horsepower. And on the contradicting side of that, they blow pistons out the side of the motor because they're running so well. So they canceled today. As of right now, the second show of the icebreaker is tomorrow. It's supposed to be 50s from 29 to 50. So, you know, welcome to Pennsylvania. That's what we do. So, as of right now, it's still on. I don't see them running it just due to the fact that car count might be low um, because it's supposed to be a midday show. We usually run middays at least through February because it gets cold at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but right now, still on. So we'll see if it happens. If, if you can't get up here, um, catch it on flow. It's one of the 11 races they have on flow. So, Um, With that being said, the Elijah Hawkins race is June. I think it's June 10th. Make sure you guys get up here for that. And that's all I got for Dirty Talk. All right, let's go back over into – we're just going to throw out there real quick. Um, F1 was doing some of their preseason testing. I didn't see where it was. I think it was maybe in Bahrain. Yeah, Um, Bahrain. They were at least least on track. Um, So, But I didn't didn't read read too much. I know that – Haas had one car that was doing pretty good and one car that wasn't. I think it was actually uh, Magnuson that I think Hulkenberg was faster than Magnuson quite a, quite, by quite a bit. But I'd imagine that they had two different setups in the car just trying to, you know, figure out what they need to do. So um, did you see the did you see the the picture that came out about their pit box compared to Red Bulls? Uh-uh. So Red Bull has like. 11 seats on their pit box and Haas has three. Well, that makes sense. It's, it's <laughs> apparently Haas's new pit box. They have three well, and Red Bull's new one has like 12 or something like that. That's, that's why that Red Bull succeeds. I mean, th- their right. pit box isn't kind of like NASCAR pit boxes. It's more of right. like a information hub. Right. But I mean, yeah, there's a reason why Red Bull, and Mercedes and Ferrari are at the top of the grid. There's a reason why, you know, teams like Haas are not quite there yet. You know, they don't, they don't quite have all the resources that they need to be top of the tier. So, but yeah, hopefully uh, this is a breakout year for Haas. It'd be really nice to see them 
scoring points, you know, every week. Uh, I think Hulkenberg gives him a little bit better of a chance, but you know, so it still comes down to the car. Hulkenberg yeah. will give yeah. you a, a good run if you give him the car. Uh, Magnuson will give you good runs if you give him the car. But if if the car is not there, you know, it's nothing, not much you can do about it. So, I will say in Bahrain, the Haas cars tend to uh, they tend to be on fire there. Too soon? Too soon? I don't, I don't know if it's too <laughs> soon, but. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, Gene Haas, I hope if you ever uh, listen to this one, I hope you find um, humor in that because <laughs> I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, but we're going to – all right, so we're going to go into NASCAR right now. So, we talked about the other races last week in Daytona. But uh, we need to talk about the 500. So, Jordan, I'm going to start out there. I don't think that what I said, what it doesn't appear that what I said about what the Toyota should do, it doesn't appear it would have mattered. But I still argue it could have. So the Toyotas obviously didn't listen to what I said. They went and actually got together, a good chunk of them, at the front of the grid. Then what happens immediately, the very first incident on track, or at least the first one I remember, is Bubba Wallace getting turned into the wall. <clears throat> so Riley Herbst might have spun out before that, but he ended up with a top 10. So you know what? We're gonna we're not gonna we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen. Since um, he's not in a Toyota. No, I know, but I said the first accident that happened. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have been Riley but, spinning on the pit road. But yeah, but that wasn't a caution though. So I, well, it wasn't well neither was, Bubba's, was neither was Bubba's. But, yeah. but to the point, like I said, they shouldn't race. They should just ride. They get up to the front. And, you know, I think they were just trying to ride. But what happens? The energy comes from behind. You lose one guy almost immediately because he gets turned into the wall. You keep racing. You lose the 45. You lose, I think, the, was it the 54? There was another car that got tore up, I think. Yeah. Yep. Tied. Tied. Tied around, I think. That was much later. But. You know, they did They did lose several cars. There was a section at the beginning where they looked competitive. And, you know, they, they had the top four or so spots, and they looked like they were going to be in good shape. But then Bubba got wrecked, and it took him all race to kind of get back into any kind of competitive position. And, you know, that, that was kind of the last you really heard from them. The, you know, they, they had good moments at other times. They had good cars in the vicinity of the lead but they weren't a huge threat and so i i still maintain you know it, it, it looked like it wouldn't matter the race was fairly tame other than that stage two wreck it was fairly tame for the early parts and then all hell broke loose i still maintain if they would have hung back if they would have let the wrecks happen even as late as they happen if they would have let those wrecks happen they would have given themselves a better chance at the end because even, even right there at the end, it kind of looked like we were going to run that thing 200 laps. It, it, you know, Daniel Suarez wrecked there at the end really extended the race, but you know, had they, had they been there in position for that last stop, you know, if you heard, if you listen to Denny Hamlin's podcast, actions is detrimental, he talks about they pitted and it was him and the 19. That was it. And they yeah. didn't really hook yeah. up together. 
So, you know, they, they didn't have a good exit off pit road. <clears throat> and so the way I look at it is if they just had more cars available with them, maybe they would have had a better cycle there in that last cycle of stops to push through. Then again, I mean, the wrecks happened and it, it really didn't matter uh, yeah. where you were. Um, especially there, that last wreck that really sealed it for Ricky. It, <laughs> that wreck went forward. It, it happened close to the front and it actually, where it started, it got two lanes in front of it too. So, uh, which is very uh, interesting to see as they're going 200 miles an hour, you would think that as the wreck happens, it would pile in behind. But the way that that wreck happened, it, it collected forward. So, yeah, I was wrong-ish about that. I still think but that they would have. Honestly, had a better- I don't. I don't think you were wrong in an aspect. Just because, and I'll point out to their stage one success um, with the, without the Bubba thing. But in reality, if you look at it, like all the Chevys pit, and it was a huge pack. And then mm-hmm. most of the Ford's pit, and it was a huge, it was a not a huge pack, but a bigger pack. Decent. And yeah. then you had the seven Toyotas come to pit road, and they were to me, they were near the back when they originally did it. So you would think, you know, like the big pack with the draft coming would have sucked them up, but that wasn't the case. And that's what I noticed, especially through the second stage as well. When they did these green flag cycles, almost the smaller your pack was, I would say if you were between six and 10 cars, maybe even less than that, between maybe like five to seven, when you're, when you guys got lined up off the of pit road, you were faster than the bigger pack. And yeah. part of me doesn't like that because then it's like, you get so strung out. And I think everybody started realizing that like Denny Hamlin and Truex coming to pit road together with just them two might not have been a bad thing just the way they orchestrated it afterwards where Truex was two seconds ahead and it took them a while to get hooked up. That's what slowed them down. That's what caused them to go to the back. But I mean, Ricky Stenhouse was involved in the group that did it in stage two. There was maybe five or six people that came to pit road. They weren't all Chevys. They weren't all Fords, but they Mm -hmm. came to pit road. They all pitted together and they were the ones that were up front at the end of stage two. Um, So it was kind of odd to see that when the big pack would pull off, it'd be like all these Chevys diving to the bottom. And originally I was like, Oh, they got them. Now they pit first. They're going to, you know, have a head of steam. They didn't even get close to coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the Fords had a chance. I think, uh, I think that was the one that Almondinger threw the block on to try and stay as one of the cars first lap down, which was very risky, but it worked. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that early in the race, it would work later in the race. He would have just got dumped. Um, but I, I think your theory would have worked if the Toyotas essentially stayed near the back, did that same pitch strategy, got to the front one stage one in my aspect after that pit again, go to the back, do the same thing, do the same pitch strategy. You're up at the front, you know, and stage three, do the same thing. I mean, use that minimal of cars. People had to have realized it between, like I said, five to eight cars were faster than a big pack. Yeah. And I mean, 
uh, RFK, they realized it. That's why they didn't pit with the huge group of Fords. They did, you know, Kevin Harvick, he realized it. Um, his crew chief told him to pit with like four or five cars, you know, yep. less chaos on pit road and they got hooked up quicker. They were faster. You know, it, it's just, it's weird because you're like, oh, you got to pit with the pack because usually the pack was faster. And if you were three or four cars outside of the pack, you would get freight train, but that doesn't seem to be the case with this package. The yeah. amount of the, the amount of drag, I guess, is what slows the bigger pack down if they're not all nose to tail. So four or five cars is a lot faster than a pack. Well, I think what it, it matters who you're with too. I think it's more than ever it matters who you're with. Um, you know, like you you can't just be in a group and be fast. You have to have like the really good guys for the pack to be really fast. It makes a difference. You can tell who's good and who's not. And I think that that's kind of contributed to this. There was more manufacturers working together than I've seen in a long time, not necessarily working together, but they just weren't working against each other. So I I think that it makes a huge difference. Like, yeah, you're still going to try to get hooked up with your teammates, but especially as it gets down the stretch, you're going to ditch your teammates. Yeah. If, if, you know, if you're Denny Hamlin and you can follow a Christopher Bell, who's not bad at restricted play race. I'm not trying to say he's bad, but you know, Brad Keselowski is really, really good. You might ditch him and get with Brad because you know how elite Brad is at restricted play right. racing. And I think that this car has kind of pulled us away from that manufacturer bond, which is kind of, is kind of a good thing. So yeah. But, um, you know, Toyota's ended up, did, did end up having a third place finish. It was Chevy Ford Toyota. Yep. Chevy Ford Toyota. Bell just did a decent job of just kind of not being near anything all day. You know, he, he had a very good car. He was, you know, up towards the front quite enough. So you can't discount him, I would say, as a true play racer. He, he's definitely getting better yeah. as, a, as yeah. a cup racer. So, um. Now, as far as our picks, I was almost right. I was about that far away. <laughs> um, yeah. From, I don't, I didn't even see Justin Haley at all the whole day. Did he get tore so, up or something? Um, so actually the beginning of stage three through like the middle of stage three, he actually was riding around in the top 10 mm-hmm. and he was in the pack with Jimmy and um, with Corey LaJoy they were riding around top 10 floating around top 10, top 15. And one of the bigger wrecks there near the end, he got caught up in. And I think it was one of the first ones because uh, he ended up finishing 32nd. And the reason why I picked him was because I didn't expect him to be up there through the stages. So I kind of gave those away, but I expect him to him to be like methodically working his way up and be there at the end. And I was like, oh, look, there, my theory's working. He's inside the top 10. And then I think I walked away and came back or something like that. And I was like, well, where'd he go? And I didn't even see he was in the wreck. And then I'm like, look, I'm like, how's he there? Oh, he's off. Oh, he was in the <laughs> Okay. So that's how it worked. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, I don't want to spend, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time giving a, a detailed report of the race. We all watched it. I did just want to talk a little bit about the move from the RCR cars there late. And RCR cars looked like they had the race in check. They were going to run away with it. And then that caution happened. And 
you know, this is the first time we've ever had to choose at a restrictor play or speedway race, whatever we want to call them now. I, like um, I didn't like, you don't like the choose or you didn't like the call. The choose. I don't I, mind well, the I mean, choose. I didn't like the call either. <laughs> I didn't like the call. I thought the call was dumb. Now, before this year, I get it. You know, you have to line up one inside, one outside. I totally understand that the car who's second lets the first one in and rolls. You can make an argument whether they should have went top or bottom. But with this being a year that you can choose, and the way that this car carries energy, I, I didn't understand it. If you weren't going to race, if you weren't going to try to be side by side and may the best man win, it, it just it didn't make any sense to me that like, hey, we're going to stunt the inside line. You know the outside line is going to just get bumper to bumper and just push. So the minute you pull down, the inside has lost all energy. Your lead car has lost energy and the outside lanes are going to roll past you. I knew that was going to happen the minute they threw the green flag. We all knew what they were doing. So yeah. I didn't like yeah. that. I think we all learned a lesson. I don't think you'll see that in Talladega if teammates are at the front, but I mean, it was, they immediately got what was coming to them in about half a lap with Austin Dillon getting turned and, causing another whole big pileup. Yeah. And I mean, especially with like, you found out Austin Dillon was the one that recruited Kyle Busch to come over to RCR, which mm -hmm. nobody expected, but he, like Kyle Busch had a partner that was like everything for Austin Dillon would have been perfect. I brought him over here. I got Kyle Busch's 500 win. I got RCR back in victory lane, you know, whether he, he was second or not, but he gets Kyle Busch in the playoffs. He gets him a 500 win, and it makes it look like Austin Dillon was, like, a superstar. Like, hey, I pulled him over here. I got him. I did that. And then they botched the, the restart. And, like, like you said, before that was 100% the move, uh, you know, people were saying, well, why didn't they just hold up both lanes? Because you could hold up both lanes. The RFK cars went together in the choose rule there was no way whoever was in front of them that they were going to stay there they were yeah. going to get chucked out of the way and even if like if rfk goes to the middle or goes to the top or goes to the bottom wherever line they were in the group of cars behind them are going with them they're not going to pick up the chevy they shucked out of the way so i think the best thing would have been hey let's pick the bottom or let's pick the top We'll stay nose to tail and we'll send it that way. Yeah. It would have been Chevy's versus Ford's. We know the Ford's have been very strong there, but you had a better chance of doing that than holding up half the inside line and what happened, which again, it was probably a learning process. We were probably like, Oh, this, this would have been, but again, we all knew what was going to happen. We all knew they were going to do that. Yeah. And before you could build up speed to be able to hold that and it would work. But not not like this. Not anymore. It was definitely a botch. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, this could have been a huge storyline for, you know, the uh, RCR and Kyle Busch and everything going into week two. And it was a huge fiasco for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we're going to end this with exactly the same way we talked about it last year. Now. I have huge respect for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as a restricted plate driver. He is good. 
you cannot deny it. He he's three, always been three wins on restrictor plates. Yeah, he's always been good. He's and even when he doesn't win, he's been a factor almost every single time. So I'm not taking anything away from Ricky Stenhouse Jr. This was not a fluke. It wasn't a fluke when Michael McDowell won. He always does pretty well on him as well. Um, last year was maybe a little bit more of a fluke, but Austin Cindric was good all weekend. You can't deny that. So understand that when I'm saying this, I'm not taking anything away from Ricky Stenhouse because if you would have told me before the, the Daytona 500, hey, Ricky Stenhouse is going to win, I would be like, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. Right. If we are looking, this is our Super Bowl. Look at the history of this race over the last 10 years or so. So the last time an active champion won the Daytona 500, that when they won, when they, won they had already been a champion, was 2017. Kurt Busch. We talked about this last year. I kind of discount that because his championship was almost a decade and a half before. Right. You know, it's, it's discounted a little. I think there's, there's a little bit of a discount. At the time when he won, Kurt was like an A minus B plus driver. He was not one of our elite. Right. Going back further, the last time an active champion had won the Daytona 500, was 2013 with Jimmy Johnson did. That's, I mean, there has been guys that, uh, I mean, you can't deny Denny Hamlin is a future Hall of Famer. Yes, and he won it three times in a row. I get that. Not not discounting that win, those wins. But he's Kevin not a champion. Harvick, exactly. Kevin Harvick won it in 2007. He wasn't a champion. Uh, Joey Logano won it in 2015. He wasn't a champion. We have, and this has actually been through a long line of history, we have champions or at least like Hall of Fame guys never won Daytona 500. And how many times, even the guys that did, how long did it take? You know, we're looking at like Martin Truex Jr. right now, 17, 18 years, whatever, 19. It was his 19 track. Never won it. Kyle Busch, never won it. Brad Keselowski, never won it. We have these guys that we think of in times as being champions you know, at, at least at one point in time in their careers have been elite drivers over a period of years and haven't won it. <clears throat> I don't know if it's a problem. I think it's great to see these front row teams and JTG teams, and it's great to see them win. And it's great to see them win on such a big level because it is a humongous boon to them. I just don't know if it's the best thing for the sport. Uh, I'm gonna and, keep, I'm gonna keep kind of even last year Austin Cindric, he won, but Austin Cindric's not he's not that guy yet. You know what I mean? See, and so I, I, have, I, get, I, what have you, I get what you're saying <coughs> because so after Ricky Stenhouse won this, do we really think that he's going to be a factor the rest of the year? Based off of where they finished in points last year, probably not. No, however, and, ho however this is what I will say. Because, obviously, your facts are correct. Dale Earnhardt, obviously, 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration, finally won. Yeah. Seven-time champ. It took him until 98 to win the, the great American race. 
But on the flip side of that, he was obviously one of the best restrictor plate racers out there because he won so many times at Daytona and Talladega. Tony Stewart won so many times at Daytona on other forms like, you know, the, the shootout or the duels. They've won I so rock. many times. I rock. So, like, you take that. Yes, they have a great skill. But this is where I'm going to say it's perfect for the sport because in football, your Super Bowl is two teams. In baseball, your World Series is two teams. Every in NHL, Stanley Cup, two teams. On Sunday, Daytona 500, you have 40 teams. I mean, okay, let's knock this down to maybe 25, somewhere in that range. That can win the Super Bowl of NASCAR. It's not two teams. It's all these other teams. And sure, you might have three Penske teams or three Stuart Haas or four Stuart Haas teams, but pit crew-wise, they're individual teams. Now, obviously, if someone from Stuart Haas wins, you guys all celebrate it. But it's like when you guys won with Kurt Busch, you guys were the 41 team. You know, you were Stuart Haas, but you were the 41 team. You guys got the win. So you have all these teams in the Super Bowl of the sport that have a chance to win. Regardless of if they're going to be a factor the rest of the year, it's the biggest race out there. And you have so many different drivers that can win, so many different teams. And you actually put the smaller teams on a playing field that are pretty much even with the bigger teams. Where, like, if you would have your biggest race at Bristol, you have an idea of this team, this team, this team is going to be a factor. These ones are not. So it's like, eh, we're not really so worried about it because we have an idea who's going to be there. But for Daytona or Talladega, we're like, I got to watch this because especially the Super Bowl where everybody's at, I got to watch this because you could have a Ricky Stenhouse in a single car team win. You could have a Michael McDowell in a single car team. You could have the Wood Brothers who haven't been what they used to be. You could have them get a win. Trevor Bain get a win. And I understand that a championship of the series is one thing, but it's not like you're a race winner. Like if you win an auto club today, you're a race winner. You won an auto club. You're not an auto club champion. If you win the Daytona 500, you're a Daytona 500 champion. That's what they say you are. It's a, a whole race all to itself. So where I can see you're saying it is maybe not good for the sport. I think it's the perfect thing for the sport to have their biggest race where you can have almost every team that you have included to be able to have a chance to win. Now, so here's, I'm going to give it to you in this way. Um, and I just tied football because I think in baseball and, and other sports, maybe it, it's a little bit less um, just because the star power is different. But when we talk about it in football, we talk about it very quarterback centric. The two, the two Super Bowls that get touted as like, man, that was a fluke. Can you believe that that guy won? Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer. Like, seriously, there's a lot more of those. And looking, you look into the nuance of it and what it means and everything, you, you can kind of bust that theory up. But we have a lot more of that, like, man, that Trent Dilfer uh, fell into a Daytona 500 win than we do of the, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Of course, he's going to win a bunch of these things. That's my point to it. 
And no, so that, I, I think there's good and bad too. That's my point. Yeah, we're, I mean, I know we're, we're talking about the quarterback position, but again, the 2000 Ravens defense, I don't know if you watch that 30 for 30, but ain't nobody have a defense to. like, yeah, ain't nobody no, have no. a defense like that Ravens defense. So, well, um, and, and we, not to switch to football, but people forget how, like, Joe Flacco, when he had a run game, was good. Very, right. very good. They were a very, very good team and, and, for and five that year, years. In that year in the playoff circumstances, Ray Lewis was retiring and he went and Joe Flacco went like 11 and 0 TD to interception ratio or 16 and 0 tied Joe Montana's record. So I I get what you're saying about that. But at the same time, again, that's two you could give me. You could probably go back and research some more, but through the most part to get there, your team has to be on a winning streak. This is the first race of the year Mm -hmm. with, 30 some teams that could win now this week, like, and maybe the thing that I've been thinking about, and I don't know if this would make sense to you, but the Daytona 500 is a race all to itself. It kicks off mm-hmm. the season. Sure. We have the shootout. It's the non-points race. It's an exhibition, but maybe what we should do just in this aspect, because the 500 is Daytona 500 champion. We, we don't expect maybe Ricky Stenhouse or Michael McDowell. We didn't expect them to go far in the playoffs. Maybe what we should do is make that where you don't make the playoffs. It's not a lock-in for the playoffs. It's yeah. a whole thing in itself, and the season actually starts with Auto Club. No, I think that – I think it's good to get – because it gives you – we're already looking at it now like – well, last year we were really like – it was really a thing to get in the playoffs because it was so competitive. And right. we already have one. We already have one person we know is going to be eliminated because we've got one new guy in. So I think that's good. I think I'm actually going to raise the stakes onto it. I think a race like the Daytona 500, maybe the Coke 600. I think that that's the only two races I would want to right now. I would almost be okay. Definitely Daytona. You win the Daytona 500, you get a first round buy. You win. You don't even. I mean, I know that's crazy, but. Why not? It's such a big uh, race. I mean, it, it means it, it means more. Raises the stakes. It just raises yeah. the stakes for people to win. So, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not Michael McDowell would have gotten to the second round, and you would have been like, "Dang, somebody got bumped that would have had the points to get in." But we, I think, the point system needs a, an overhaul well, from round two on, anyway. But well, and and to that point, sponsors for the car that maybe don't have can't get that much more money involved now all of a sudden you're winning a bigger purse because you're not going to be out from 12 to 16th you're going to be out from you know the 8 to 12 area so now you're finishing higher in points so it helps the underfunded teams if you win the daytona 500 so yeah i i, I you know I, I like your cause on that because um kroger i don't know if anybody learned this or knew this prior they're on for all 38 races for JTD Jordy, I can't even say it, but they're on <laughs> off. I always, I always botch it, but they're on for all 38 races or 37 races or whatever. They're on every time. There might be like Nas might be on the hood, but on the back Kroger's there. Yeah. Yeah. So a sponsor like them, who's in the series because they love Ricky Stenhouse. They love that team. They get all this publicity. They win the Daytona 500, you know, right there. I agree. They maybe automatically should be locked into the first round by. That's, 
we're, if we're going to do this point system, instead of kind of like him, I think we should just lean into it like that. Let's do it like this. We'll give it two. Right. Because it, the first one should be a big deal. Daytona 500 winner, you get a first round buy. Automatically, you're in. And if you win in the first six, basically first six races of the playoffs, round one mm-hmm. or round two, you're right. going to go to the next round. You know, I think that that's fair. If you if you go out there very first race in the playoffs and you do it again, right? Well, you just go to round three. Why not? Um, right. Give that to that champion. I think that that's a good thing to do. Well, along with that, I think the regular season points winner should automatically get a first round buy because it really is nothing to give it to him anyway. No one's right. ever been close to being eliminated as a first round. Well, I mean, winner. Chase so, Elliott won. Chase Elliott won the regular season points and made it to the final four off of that because he did not have, oh, that. have a yeah. great playoff last year. There's so. been plenty, there's been plenty of drivers that do that. So yeah. you know, even Kyle Larson had an awesome year, but his playoffs were his weakest part until right. the very end. So um Kyle well, Bush did that in 2019. So <laughs> can can we hit the biggest like elephant in the room though? I think are you sure Ricky won that race? What do you, who, do you think Joey won it? I don't know. Based off of when the wreck happened compared to when the caution came out, it's yes. very questionable. It, no, I, it, the way I looked at it, it was it was definitely but, the 47. I, well, maybe they well, waited too late to call it, but well, you can't yeah, have that on the head in victory lane. That's, that's my point, though. Like, at what point do you call it? We saw it in the Xfinity race the day before. At what point do you call the caution? Because – there was a car on its lid in the Xfinity race and they still went almost another half of the straightaway before the caution flipped. And they said, well, we uh, have I don't think it's been that long. It was pretty long. It was, it was pretty long. And with this one, we see Kyle Larson get turned up into the outside wall, similar to a three car that happened. And we wait till carnage more carnage starts happening and then okay now we'll hit it you know what i mean like yeah that's that's always going to be a judgment call that's all there's not right Right. it's always going to be a. and the only reason why i bring this up is because me and dad were going back and forth about this like all last weekend or all last week like his thought was well let him race back to the line then then you won't have any question about it and i'm like "Mm, completely get it but if someone gets Ryan Newman, do you yeah. still want cars flying yeah. around the track? And sure, it was a like I, I even said because Ryan Newman was in turn one or on the on the trial or whatever. So them coming back there, you don't want safety crews out there if they're coming back. If someone gets Ryan Newman on the backstretch, well, they they have plenty of time to slow down, so safety crews can still get out there. Do you let them race to the finish? I mean, it's been a, a thing ongoing and. It's always the judgment call whether you have to get safety crews out there or not. But at what point, like, at what point do you determine, oh, it's a big enough wreck, we have to get safety crews out there? And, of course, it's always going to be a judgment call. There's no black and yeah. white call about this. So, like, the the only thing that someone pointed out to me, which does kind of suck, is you didn't have any one of the three races finish at the finish line. That's a, a good point. One. That's a good point. So – but that's like, going to be that's the product of this racing. It's going to it's right. that's just where we're at. If you right. look at watch videos from 10 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the cars aren't this close. 
And the right. cars, I think, I think in theory, uh, I don't want to keep going on this. We got to wrap this thing up, but I got to get back inside. Right. But like, I think when we had more horsepower, it was harder to overcome the amount of pole in the air that right. was allowing the runs. Like you could get, like, you might be able to generate some runs, but the guy in front of you had so much motor. It didn't, you know, right. now we have less motor and now we have these big holes in the air that are shooting everyone forward. I think it made a big, that might've been what makes a big difference, but they didn't have runs like this. Like you, you was everything you could get to get right. a run a lot of times. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think they have to obviously err on the side of safety. Um, right. The minute that there's cars behind the wreck, you have to throw the caution. That's just the way it is. You right. Know? Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I think they made the right call in both Xfinity and cup this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they made the right calls in both. Um, I was just bringing that up because, you know, the old school style NASCAR fan, a.k.a. dad, didn't think that uh, <laughs> he, he thought it would have been better if they raced back to the line. And I, I agree with him. I mean, they should be able to race back to the line. But, you know, this is, like you said, the product of this racing. When there's a wreck that's that big, you got to get safety crews out there. And, yep. and you know, it, the other the other answer comes down to, well, the white flag doesn't end it. Make them do it again until they finish your we would be here all all night because they will just keep wrecking. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're, yeah. we're going to wrap this one up. Um, I'd like to talk about this a little bit more next week. We're going to try to bring this up and I'd like to get to talking about the charter system, but we're going to, it'll just drag this on a little bit too long today. So um, Jordan, you, uh, you unfortunately did not have the correct Kyle pick. Bush. You and me. Okay. Kyle Busch. Um so a big part of me wants to take Kyle Larson, but there's a lot of Kyle Larson tracks and I just don't want to pick him just yet for this. Uh, I'm going to go with, with somebody who has shown some speed already this year and is pretty good out there. I think he's ready for a resurgence after the note from last year, uh, Alex Bowman. Oh, okay. I can see it. That's a decent pick. All right, Jordan, well, we're going to wrap things up this week. It was a good talk today. Good to talk to you in the daylight. Yeah, for once. <laughs> all right, well, we'll thank you all, for, everyone, for listening. If you need some plans, you need a card, ask Jordan. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, racerfitness.com. All right, later, everybody. <laughs>